And also today we have a guest speaker with us, uh, Michael Popenhagen from Radiant Church in Jackson. He can start making his way up the ramp and onto the stage because it takes a while. Uh, he planted Radiant Church in Jackson. It's an incredible church. And actually, he's been a good friend of mine for quite a while. I am a part of Radiant Church because I saw a billboard with his face on it. Um, gosh, how long ago? 14 years ago or so? And I thought, I need to go to that church. <laughs> it was the beard. It was the beard. Yeah. And, you know, this is the thing. I tease him about that all of the time. But the thing that I learned from Pastor Mike was that it's possible to have a passionate and intimate relationship with Jesus. It didn't have to be something where I knew mentally who God was and that he loved me, but I saw in him, modeled in his life, that you can know God, that you can love him, that you can sense his presence in your life. I spent a lot of years playing on the worship team with him back at Radiant Church in Richland. So blessed to have him here with us. So would you give him a big welcome and prepare for something awesome. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Give it up for your pastor. He's... What I learned from Pastor Jeremy is he can make some awesome steak. It is so good. <laughs> but he is, uh, uh, your pastor, just want to brag on him for a minute. He has been an incredible friend to me. One of my best friends uh, to say uh, uh, for sure. One of, and when we planted our church, it'll be almost two years ago this March that we planted. And you guys were already going, doing a work right here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And Pastor Jeremy was the one who encouraged me the whole time. And there was even a moment when we planted, uh, or before we planted, where I felt like, I don't have it in me. I, I, I can't do this. And uh, I had just gotten something discouraging happen to me. And, and I remember calling Pastor Jeremy and, and just sharing, like, you know, I, I don't think anyone believes in this. I'm having a hard time believing. And he believed in me and spoke to me and encouraged me. And plus, I want to say, when I worked with him, he was like one of the funniest guys on staff. We would laugh the whole time. He spoke at our church a month ago and just kept everybody laughing. And I'm like, how does he do that? Like, I have this very dry, very serious personality. And Jeremy comes up there and he's so deep, got the knowledge of the word of God. And he just starts, I don't know how he goes from something intimate and all of a sudden we're laughing. But uh, we would go on trips together. We would do this thing for the church we worked together in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, Pastor Jeremy, uh, we said he had one role we were filming for at the movies. Is your role is to make us laugh all week long while we film. And he would do it. I don't know how he would do it. But, <laughs> but more than that is his heart for the Lord. And uh, I've always been drawn, you know, there's some people like you love hanging around them, the life of the party. There's other people you're drawn to uh, just because of their passion for Jesus. And Pastor Jeremy has it. And he has. And I know this. Of course, you know this because you're here every Sunday. But he has such a, a burden and a heart for this city in, of Ann Arbor and for the city of uh, Jackson, uh, Michigan, which is he's the ultimate reason. One of the reasons why we're there. And I'll share a little bit about that in a little bit. But can we pray before we get into the message and uh, see what God might want to do? Father, I pray over the next few minutes that we have together, Lord, that you would open our hearts up to the word of God. Lord, your word says in Isaiah, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And I pray that the word that is coming this morning, the message uh, 
that you've laid upon my heart, Lord, would sustain the weary, would bring hope to a person who may have lost hope. Lord, I pray for the person that's here this morning and they don't know you, and I pray that somehow through the words that are spoken, they would get a sense of who Jesus is. And I pray for every believer that their faith would be encouraged this morning and strengthened in this place this morning. And so we welcome you and we praise you. Come and have your way among us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. Well, I, the message I'm bringing this morning is really about a message about dreaming again and allowing God to birth ideas in your hearts for, for your family, for your city, for His kingdom, ultimately for the glory of God. So I want to share a verse with you just as a way of introduction this morning and then, then we'll launch in, into the message. And this is Daniel eleven thirty two. It says, people who know their God stand firm and take action. Now this is the context of the prophet Daniel saying something evil was going to happen to the nation of Israel and to the place of worship there. And he says, but however, the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. And that's just not a principle for a certain prophecy, but it's a principle for the people of God. People who know Jesus, people who know God, that means they're, they're acquainted with Him, they get Him, they understand His ways. And somehow in that knowing, they're prompted by His Holy Spirit to stand, and I love this next line, to take action. The New King James is my favorite translation of this. It says they carry out great exploits. People who know God, they do great things. They do powerful things for God. And here's Paul's version of this. This is Ephesians 2 uh, verse 20. It says, for we are, this is you, me, all the people of God, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, taking action. There's something that we are called as a people of God to do, which God prepared beforehand. Here it is. Take action that we should walk in them. In other words, our God, our creator has prepared something for all of us to take action, to walk in and to do. Now, ever since I can remember, since I was a little boy, I've always had a passion and a dream uh, to be a performer. I had this audacious uh, dream to get a record contract someday, and it never left me. It never, like, it had always been in me. As a, as a young kindergarten, I remember, you know, I had show and tell. I would take my guitar, and I couldn't play it, but I would just play it, just strum it, because I had this dream. As I didn't know where it come from. I mean, on this side of it, I understand that that was something God placed on the inside of me, and I began to pursue that all, and on sixth grade, I learned how to play this. I form a band all through junior high, all through high school. I'm performing. Then I start performing in bars, start gigging. And then, and then eventually, I, Nashville was the goal for me. And, and I'm like, this is where we're going. This is where we're headed. And then I get married, and my wife's on board with this dream. And th again, this is a big, audacious dream. And I had no idea at the moment that it was a dream that God had placed on the inside of me. See, I had perverted it, but eventually God redeemed it, and I end up stepping into Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, 1996. It was the first Sunday in September, and I'll never forget it because my life was falling apart, and my dream was falling apart, and my marriage was falling apart. So the last thing I had was, in my mind, the only thing that could save this is God. 
So I show up. It's, it's Radiant Church's very first service. Now, I didn't know it was their first. I just happened to go there because I told my wife, if we're going to make it work, this is, this is where we need to go. So we end up at church, and it somehow it saves my marriage. I don't know how, but it somehow saved my marriage. And then they have a band like this, and I didn't know that it was called a worship team. I didn't know the front guy was called a worship leader. And in Nashville, we called it the front man, not the worship leader. But that's what a worship leader is. He's the front man leads. And so, and I was like, okay. And I end up, for me, because of my heart had corrupted the dream, I'd put it down. And then Pastor Lee, my pastor, Jeremy's pastor, pulled that dream back out of me. Said, God gave you that dream and it's time to redeem it. And then he, uh, through a course of healing my heart, healing my marriage, I end up becoming the worship leader there. I end up becoming on, going on staff, and I served full time for 13 years. Then Jeremy comes on board. So all that to say is off from a dream. You know, the center and the core of dreams, the people who know their God that take action, it's significance. The center of that is placed by God He's, he wants to be center of our lives. And he doesn't want us just to live and breathe air, but he wants to give us significance. He wants to give us identity. And he wants us to use our passions. He wants us to, to pray through our dreams and cause them to, to go somewhere. I think we all have that. Like it might not be a musician like me, but you, you, you may be like my wife. She, she has this, she says, I've always just wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a great mom and a great wife. And she has become that. She's an amazing woman. I wish she was here this morning, but she is uh, making sure everything's happening at Rady Church in Jackson this morning. But I, but you, I don't know what it is. It could be a doctor. Maybe you have this dream to write a book. You've never, you never wrote one, but it's always kind of been stirring in your heart, stirring in your mind. Maybe you're a businessman. Maybe a community leader. Maybe for you, it, it's something you're just dreaming of. I want to start a community center. You look at this thing that Pastor Jeremy talked about, and you're like, that resonates with you. I want to help people. That's the thing that God has placed on the inside of me. All of us have these dreams. All of us have these desires. But some of us, some of us, we, we've allowed them to become suppressed. Sometimes because of life, certain things happen. And those dreams, those passions, those purposes that God has placed on the inside of us, we're not really taking action. We're not, we're not doing great exploits because it's been hijacked. And, and maybe it's the life circumstances have just somehow just unraveled and, you know, life got busy or maybe you feel disqualified. You know what? I had dreams, but I've done some certain things in my life and I don't think God would want to use me. I, I don't even think I should dream anymore because you don't know what I've done wrong and I am disqualified. And so we feel like I, I can't do it. Maybe you're not disqualified, but maybe you, there's a fear element. It's not, I don't feel disqualified, but I'm just afraid to go after that dream. I'm just afraid to go after uh, the thing that God has called me to, to do the thing that God has called us to do. And I get that. That's how it was when I was planting a church. And I think uh, growing a church and what you guys are doing, it's a great thing. But fear tried to hold me back. So, and I think we all get, there's some things that hijack us. Uh, but I think the craziest one and the most scariest one is unbelief. You might not be disqualified. You, you might not even be unqualified. You might not feel like, you know, it's not a fear thing. I just don't think God will do it. I, you know, I see it in Pastor Jeremy's life. We see it in Billy Graham's life. We've seen it in Mother Teresa. You know, I've seen it in other leaders in the community. I've seen it in their family. 
Their wife has it together. Her husband has it together. We, but I don't believe God could do this. I don't believe God could heal my marriage. I don't believe God could make this thing happen for me. I don't think this dream that he's placed on the inside of me, he'll really do it. Yeah, he does it for other people. But they're selected few. But scriptures tell us God is not a respecter of people. And we read it right. We are all created for good works that we should walk in them. And what that means is he is with us. Mark 16 talks about when the, God, when the disciples started preaching the gospels, it said God worked with them. Plural, not an individual. It's for all of us to go in and to grab this thing. But unbelief is the thing that sometimes chokes out the dreams that God has placed on the inside of us. And I think God wants to renew that and redeem that for us this morning. So I want to look at a story that, um, from the, the disciples. They were called by Jesus to uh, uh, you know, just heal people, go in and preach the kingdom of God. But they come up against this problem where they, this, this man brings his son. He's possessed by a, a demon and they can't heal him. And then Jesus shows up and does the miracle. And then they ask the question, you know, why couldn't we do that? And, you know, we feel this calling that you've given us, Jesus. Like we have this dream, uh, but we didn't see it happen. Why is that? And so Jesus took that moment to begin to teach them, took it to, to, to redeem the moment and to teach them something. And I want to look at that story for a minute because I think there's some elements and some truths that we can get and how to walk out, how to take action, how to do great exploits. Because, this is, because I think healing a, a young boy uh, in any capacity is a great exploit. Yeah. Whether it's a word of encouragement or a physical healing, but the, Jesus knew I'm, I'm going to take this to teach them something. So at first, if you, if you don't understand it, it feels like he might be correcting them, but, but he's not. So we're going to read this together. This is Matthew 17, uh, verses 19 and 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. So Jesus, remember, he heals this boy. And they don't understand like why it didn't work for them. They've been walking with Jesus. They've been seeing this happen, but it, it didn't work for them. So then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, uh, why could we not cast it out? Like, what, what's, what's wrong with us? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And I want to highlight three truths from, from these two verses. I think are very powerful and if we grab them, we'll begin to maybe dream again or maybe feel qualified again. Because Jesus wasn't saying, hey, guys, it's not that I was qualified and you're not. But this is a faith thing. This is, this is a belief thing. So I want to highlight just three truths of how faith works where we can carry out great exploits. Because what they were really asking is like, you did something great. How did we miss the opportunity? And Jesus said to them, you have to have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. So the first thing I, I want to point out is that faith sees potential in small things. Faith sees potential in small things. So Jesus didn't, he, he gives them something very simple. He gives them a picture of a seed. You know, mustard seed uh, could fit on that tip of your, your pinky. It's smaller, it's like a watermelon seed is 10 times larger than a mustard. It's one of the tiniest seeds there is. So Jesus gives them a picture of a seed so that they could see 
You know, here's how faith works. If you want to do something great, you want to do something, heal your city, you want to heal your marriage, or you just want to bring life to the people around, you want to help others, faith works like this. It's the size of a mustard seed. And you know what seeds do? When they're in the right environment, when they're in the right soil, in the right atmosphere, they begin to grow. And this is what faith does. When we put our lives in the right atmosphere and being at Radiant Church, being at a healthy church is the right, it's like soil for our hearts and our faith begins to blossom and grow. You don't know how it happens. We can't sit there and watch it. It just overnight and as the sun hits it, it just begins to get roots and begins to grow. And this is how faith works. A small thing has a lot of potential. An acorn grows a massive massive tree it says faith works like this you want to do something great for god you can't get discouraged by the size of what your dream is like i'm seeing this but i don't see it in reality i see this in my heart but on the outside it looks tiny and there's a scripture in the old testament i can't remember where it is it says do not despise the day of small beginnings Right, it reminds me of Mother Teresa. You, how many know who she is? Most of us know, most people. She won the Nobel Peace Prize. She's been, uh, she's been gone now for 20 years. But when she was 17 years old, she felt the call of God and dedicated her life to the Lord. And then ends up becoming a nun. And after she had said her vows, one of her first assignments was in Ireland. She, she was a young girl and she had three pennies. And she goes to her superior sisters who were over her and she says, I have three pennies. And I'm going to build an orphanage. And she said this to them. And, and then those over her, they, they laughed at her and called her silly. You can't build an orphanage with three pennies. And she says, no, I can't. She says, but with three pennies and a dream from God, I can. Amen. See, here's what Mother Teresa understood. She understood the principle of the mustard seed. And she didn't despise what she had. She took three pennies and she ends up going to the nation of India. She has inspired literally billions of dollars now for the kingdom of God. How does a young 17-year-old girl go with three pennies to building orphanages for caring for the down and the outcasts of the world? How does she do that? And it's this. It's a dream. She could see the potential of the little things. And this is what Jesus is saying. Faith works like a mustard seed. And if you want to do great things for God, if you want to do great things for your marriage, if you want to do great things for your work environment, for the people around you, you have to believe that on the outside it might look insignificant. On the outside it might look small. But on the inside you got to see the potential. She could see three pennies being millions. She could see three pennies birthing a building, birthing an orphan. And she could see that. Faith does incredible things and it works like a seed. And if you can see the potential in it and you won't despise it, you'll, you'll begin to do great things. Now, again, you know how seeds work. It doesn't happen overnight. A seed is a process. It's slow. It's slow growing. She didn't go from three pennies to a week later having an orphanage. She just had the dream and she understood faith sees potential. Even in the small things. The inside of you, the dream that God has placed on you has to be larger than the outside. You have to see it. And even if it feels like day after day, it's not happened yet. You keep going. You keep fighting. It's like, I have a dream. I see it. I'm going to do this thing. And you just take the one step that you need 
to take. And that's it. So faith sees potential in small things. Number two, faith believes the impossible is possible. Jesus said, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. It will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus starts out, gives them a picture of a seed, saying there, there's potential. You've got to see that. But then he also talks about a mountain. Right? He says, now, when you get this dream and you get this thing and you plan it, you're going to have obstacles. This is what the mountain represents. So you have a dream and we get excited about the dream. We get excited about the potential. But then when we start to walk it out, we start to take action and then we face opposition. That mountain is there. It's, sometimes it's a plant from the enemy. Sometimes it's your own mind. It becomes a mountain. I can't do this. This is bigger than what am I thinking that I could ever do this. But you step into it and you do it. And then you have these mountains that say, what are you doing in Ann Arbor, Michigan, trying to plant a church in the middle of a movie theater? And you're like, what? That's a mountain. And you know what? We're, here's what we're speaking. We're saying we have property. We're saying we have a building because we believe God can do the impossible. Right? And I believe it. I believe it for you. You guys have been on our heart during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We put on, on our cards we gave out as prayer points. We're praying for Ann, Radiant Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that God would give them their own building. Yeah, uh, and, and by the way, you probably won't get seats. Well, you will get seats this nice. But I love who, get, who gets to worship in a church. Now, when I smell popcorn, I feel like I want to worship. Um, uh, it's just you got. I, I'm sorry. I'm rabbit trailing. Let me stay focused here. Let me stay focused. Uh, when we planted our church in Jackson, my wife and I moved there in August. Our first service was going to be in March. So we had lived there maybe four or five, I don't know how many months, but we lived there a handful of months before we planted. And as we were moving, we didn't have a lot of money yet. We were raising funds. You guys were part of that. You invited me here to speak and gave generously towards that cause. And but we only had like $5,000. And we were told it would take a hundred grand to do it. So I, I was sitting before the Lord, and that's my mountain. I'm planning a church. I've quit my job. I've uh, moved my family to another city. And I'm telling the Lord, God, I have no money. I have no people. And I have no building. What am I doing here in Jackson, Michigan? And the Lord uh, just began, and I just began to pray about where are we going to meet? Because we, we were meeting in my uh, living room. We were pulling like 20, 30 people. And we, we'd start meeting in my living room. And I was praying. Well, I had bumped into the building that we're in right now online. And uh, I called my realtor. And I said, hey, there's this church for sale. Now, again, this is a mountain. Because we have no money. We, like, we have no money. And really, no, we haven't even started meeting yet. And this building comes to my heart. And the Lord speaks to me. It wasn't audible, but it was undeniably the voice of God. And he said to me, I'm going to give you that building. So I called up my realtor and I said, hey, Bob, will you go? Uh, I want to go see this building. So he calls me back a couple days later and he says, Mike, you can't get the building. Uh, it's been sold. And I was crazy confused because I knew I'd heard the voice of God. And I told the Lord, I said, maybe what I think is your voice. And, it, and I had grown to know the voice of God of over the last 20 some years. I'm like, Lord, what's going on? So I, I called my realtor back. I said, Bob, the Lord told me I was going to have that building. I said, would you call up the buyer 
and um, tell them I want to meet with this. I'm like, that's unprecedented. You don't, we usually don't hook the buyer up with the seller. It's usually the realtors that work it out. I said, I don't care. Just ask the realtor if we can meet. So I pull the guy in. We get a meeting set up with the, the sellers of the church. And he sits down in front of me. He's the board, one of the board members of the, the uh, church that was there. And he, he had been designated to sell the building. And his name was, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. <laughs> oh, Dave Globig. So I'm sitting across from Dave. And Dave said, uh, uh, he said, hey, what's going on? I said, look, I just moved to the city. We're planning a church here. I have a burden and a heart for Jackson, Michigan. And we need this building. Uh, but I heard that you sold it. He's like, yeah, we actually sold it to the church I'm attending now. And he said, uh, and then uh, we also had a business guy offer full price cash for the building. So, um, you know, you're third in line and you're not, you're not going to get it. And I said, okay. And I said, well, here's the deal. I understand you, your church is buying it. I get that. But if for some reason that doesn't work out, please don't sell it to the business guy. I didn't tell him that I heard God. But I, I, did st I did say, but consider us because this is supposed to be used for kingdom work. And then Dave says this came out of his mouth. He looked at me and he was leaning back in a chair in what's now my office. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sitting in, he laughs at me and he says it would take a miracle. He wasn't being, he wasn't being mean, but he just said it'd take a miracle for you to get this building. You don't have no money. You don't have no people. So I'm like, okay. So I just said, just consider it. So I, I got on the phone. The realtor's like, how'd it go? I'm like, not good. He told me, you know, we're not going to get it. But uh, I want you to put an offering. And, and my realtor's like, Mike, it's, it's sold, dude. I'm like, I don't care. Put an offering. So I put an offering of uh, over 100000 less than what they're asking. And then uh, they call me up uh, just about, I didn't hear nothing for like four or five weeks. And my realtor calls me up and says, hey, Mike, I just want to let you know the realtor called. They thanked you for the offer, but it's a done deal. The other church is getting it, and they just wanted to let you know. And he said they're meeting Sunday night to just kind of wrap it all up. they got to get the other church's approval. And uh, I said, oh, okay. So that Sunday night, I knew that that church was meeting to vote on whether to purchase that building or not. And I had my little... Uh, 20 some people because we understood the small things principle and I said uh, hey guys I don't know if this is biblical or not but uh, there's a meeting happening tonight and the church is voting on and I told them like I, I thought I heard God I've been confused I was really honest with my team like so I share with them and we just pray that the will of God would happen Monday morning I get a phone call says Mike you're never going to believe this but uh uh the church lost the vote by six people. The businessman pulled his full price cash off the table. No one is left to buy this building but you. And if you want it, you can have it. So listen, it's amazing what God will do. It is amazing. We had no money, no people. If they had checked my bank account, they'd have, they'd have said, no, we're not doing it. Two weeks later, we signed that building and we got it. Let me tell you something. Faith believes the impossible is possible. And you know, it was a mountain. It was a mountain that another church was getting a church that God told me was ours. It was a mountain that a businessman offered him full price cash. That was a mountain. But Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain to move from here to there and it will move if you believe. Faith sees potential in small things. Faith believes the impossible is possible and number three faith produces unintentional outcomes what does that mean 
Faith produces unintentional outcomes. Well, let's look at another verse that Jesus uh, taught on mustard seeds. And this is Matthew 13. It says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. You know, let me pause. Just going to rabbit trail. At my church, we don't have a hundred foot screen like this. It's like, it's, this, it's the size of this square right here. It's like four by eight. And I normally like point to the, the message, but here I'm like, <laughs> i just read it off the reference monitor. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds. There it is again. But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants to become a tree so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in its branches. Now, I might not be the smartest man in the room. I could probably promise you that. But I'm sure that the farmer, when he was planting the mustard seed, wasn't thinking. Birds are going to come. I'm doing this for the birds. I'm going uh, to guess it's for culinary reasons. He wanted mustard for his hot dog. That's what I'm thinking he planted that tree for. But there was an unintentional outcome from the dream of hot dog with a mustard. He plants the seed, he makes mustard, but the outcome was for the birds of the air. Now this dream that God has in your heart, or this purpose, or this thing, or this desire, call it whatever you want, that's just what I'm calling it today, for lack of a, a better term, uh, is going to have some unintentional things you never thought of. It's going to have some things come to you that you didn't even think about. It's going to be an outcome because of the dream. That's why it's so important that we get a hold of the things that God is saying. It's so important that we walk it out, that we take action, because there's going to be unintentional consequences by obeying God that will impact other people. The farmers, it wasn't thinking about the birds. They're just benefiting from his dream. They're just benefiting from it. The sacrifice, the risk is if you don't do it, you don't know what you're going to sacrifice. You don't know what is not going to happen because you didn't follow through on the dreams. And you know what? It might be, it might be that... uh, I'm going to take five more minutes for sure. Okay. Uh, uh, it might be it doesn't work out the way you think. Sometimes God puts dreams in our hearts and we start walking it out and we go through it. Something else becomes the product. See, I thought I'm going to live in Nashville, Tennessee. I thought I was going to have a record contract and I did pursue that thing. But eventually I go to church and I become a worship leader. And at when... When and then, like God grows the church, it's over 2,000 people now. The church that Jen and I helped plant, it was 50 people when I showed up. Unintentional outcome was it, it grew, and uh, God gave me a voice as a worship leader, and I've been able to speak at conferences and uh, lead worship in all kinds of places, different parts of the world. And like those are, and I never planned that, I just followed the dream, I just followed. The passion. I just followed the thing that God placed on the inside of me. Consequently, unintentionally, 
I begin to develop, I just embrace it. Like, this is what's in front of me. This is what I'm going to do. And I start becoming this worship leader. I go on staff. Now, at the same time, I'm having children. I have, I'm married. I've been married 22 years. have three children. Um, they're grown. One of them is uh, 21 years old. That is a honeymoon baby. And then uh, I have two more younger, 16 and 18 years old. But they get a desire for music. Now, when I'm learning at 12 years old to play a guitar, I'm not thinking I'm going to have children who are going to want to play a guitar someday. It's just an unintentional outcome. And then they show up, and I'm leading worship, and they're watching their dad become the man of God, grow in his faith. They start getting an interest. They start playing. Consequently, I plan a church just by a random conversation with your pastor. See, your pastor plants a church. We go out to lunch one day, and I tell him about, hey, I think God's calling me to pastor. And he says... Have you thought about Jackson, Michigan? And I said, no, I will never go to Jackson, Michigan. Uh, unintentional outcome of a church plant in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan has now caused a church to be planted in Jackson, Michigan. The unintentional outcome of this church was that God called Pastor Lee when he was 12 years old to plant a church and has planted multiple churches since then. Now, Pastor Lee wasn't thinking at 12 years old, I'm going to plant multiple churches. It's just an unintentional outcome of following the dream that God has for you. So my boys, they grow. That was a rabbit trail. I'm coming back. My boys, they grow, and they're musicians, and we, we moved to Jackson, Michigan. But while I'm moving to Jackson, Michigan, I'm not thinking my children could be worship leaders. I'm thinking uh, God's going to bring somebody but my oldest, my 21-year-old and my 18-year-old, they are very gifted at leading worship. And so every Sunday, they lead our congregation in worship. And I'm like, Lord, I never thought of this. I never thought of this. It's an unintentional outcome. See, it's, th this message is so much more then follow your dreams so someone can pat you on the back for doing it. It's about other people. It's the things that God places on the inside of you is so that you will do something that impacts your life for His glory, obviously, for His kingdom, obviously, but it is impacting you. It's impacting your family. It's impacting the people around you. It's so much bigger than you. But first you have to know that this is a small thing at first. But then you, do, you just go, and year after year, it begins to grow. The, the, the potential, the small seed, the mustard seed begins to grow. And then all of a sudden, you're working. You might have some opposition. There might be storms that try to blow the tree over. But you speak to the mountain. You speak to the storm. You keep believing, and you keep walking it out. And then eventually, you're going to have the blessings of obeying God. And you're going to see that. And then there's going to be all these unintentional outcomes all around you. Hallelujah. We had uh, this one, the first year when we planted our church. I uh, had this young woman. I got a phone call. Hey, it was my son was at the church. He says, Dad, there's a woman here. She's crying. Something's going on. So I, I make it to the church. I show up and we begin to talk. Man, my wife and I begin to minister to her. And she's like, my husband's a drug addict. And. You know, I'm ready to leave them. And I just, I tell her, you know, fight for your marriage. Let's just believe God for your husband. Let's have a conversation. So we had an intervention. We take him to uh, a drug rehab. And he gets planted in there and he gets clean. I remember last June was his one-year anniversary of being clean and sitting at our uh, our, our one-year uh, church gathering picnic. He's sitting there and he's crying saying, Thank you, Pastor Mike, for convincing my wife not to leave me. 
and um, and so an unintentional outcome, and they were all done having kids. But uh, he gets healed, their marriage gets restored, and they have a new kid whose name is Bowden Michael. His middle name's named after me. Praise the Lord. Unintentional outcome of following the dream. You see, marriages are restored. Don't ever underestimate what God has placed on the inside of you. You may think this is a small thing. You may think, you know what? God's just telling me to be a mom. God, that's all I hear God saying. And you might think that's, that's a small thing. God's just telling me to be a good husband. and a good. You might think that's a small It is not a small thing. Amen. It is not a small thing. You believe the Lord. And an unintentional outcome. You can come up, Mike. You, you whole bank could come up. I'm wrapping it up now. Uh, <coughs> uh, I lost my train of thought, Mike. What was it? What was I going to say? <laughs> Faith sees potential yeah. in those small ideas. Yeah. And, you, and it's going to have obstacles, but faith speaks to mountains and believes the, the impossible is possible. Yeah. And then faith will ultimately produce unintentional consequences that you didn't know was going to be the outcome. There will be unexpected benefits beyond your ability to think the 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 scriptures tell us that god does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or even think and i found that to be true not just because of that scripture and because the bible says it it is true i've lived it and i'm telling you i'm telling you believe the lord believe the dream people who know god Stand firm. Take action. They carry out great exploits. And I'll close with this thought and I'm done. How does that work? It's very simple. It's what, it's what Daniel said. Know God. All we got to do is know God. And when we come to know Him, He'll start birthing the things in your heart. And then we obey it. See, our job is obedience. Our job is to obey the seeds and the dreams. He pl- Just obey the step. It's God's job to work everything else out. You don't even have to worry about it. I don't know how many things I've worried about. Worried about this building. All I had to do was call a realtor. But you know, I fretted and I got nervous and I got worried. But all we have to do is obey God. You bow your heads. Many people can do great things, obviously, without knowing God. There are many million self-made millionaires. There are many businesses that have started without God. But I, I would say to you, if that's your position this morning. That even that is the grace of God on humanity as a whole. But if you're here this morning and you don't know God, I want to give you the opportunity because I make no assumptions everybody is in this room is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to say, you know what? I need God. The scriptures tell us that we are all fallen, we are all broken, and we are all in need of a Savior. 
And I don't have time to explain God's redemption plan, but it is simply Jesus Christ. Said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to him except, except through Jesus. And his heart for us is to redeem us, to restore us, so that we're no longer separated from God. We can do good things without him. But to know him brings a sense of purpose. Not just contributing to society, but really coming alive on the inside. And God wants to offer everyone. He offers all of us this opportunity. So if you're here today and you don't know God, but you decided, I need to do that. I need to step into faith. I need to believe. All that requires is you believe that Jesus is God. You repent of your sins and he forgives you. And then you're, you're connected to him. You're no longer separated from God. So I'm going to count to three. And it just takes a lot of courage. But I just ask you to boldly raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. I see that hand. Awesome. Let's just say this prayer together. Father all together. Father, thank you. I come in Jesus' name. And today I decide to be a follower of Jesus. I repent of my sin and ask you to take my life and make me new again. Today I'm a new creation created in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.